Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The Sports Cage Podcast is brought to you by Saskatchewan Seniors Mechanism. Our province's older people deserve to live independently and affordably in their own communities and homes. Learn more and join the movement at skseniorsmechanism.ca. Coming to you from a cool Griffith Stadium in the broadcast booth where I used to do Ram games for a number of years. And I'm with my sidekick, Luke Molitor. This is the Sports Cage training camp officially. I guess it'd be day number two because day number one last night was a walkthrough. This show is brought to you by Nelson Homes, supplying home packages and RTMs for over 65 years. And as I said, former rider, defensive lineman, current broadcaster on the Rough Rider Radio Network, Luke Molitor, joining me. How many years for you now doing the, the the broadcast, I lost track. I was actually thinking about that. I, I, I was thinking that my, my broadcasting career, if it if we look at 2013, mm-hmm. like it's actually lasted as long as my playing career now. <laughs> That's pretty cool. And it's way easier on this side. Of the and list. you've made about as much money. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And I'm totally broke even. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God I work for the Red Cross yeah. now. Uh, yeah. I'll tell you what, it was a very chilly opening day. But I will tell you this, Luke. Here's the first thing in talking with people. We are lucky that the rain we got last night when I was driving up did not hit the field here. This is a brand new turf, but it does not drain well the way it's put in. Oh, and, great. and No, no, serious. And there could be puddles, and that could be an issue if we do get some precipitation during camp. I, did, I, I was doing a little investigative journalism, man. Yeah, well, first of all, it's going to be an issue. That's, that's <laughs> I didn't know that it's, yeah. it's going to actually pull there. Will be... there. And you're, I'm glad you only got rain. I got hit with snow on the way up here. Really? Like, it was snow. No end, yeah, in Davidson. So mm. um, it's a great looking field. Uh, you and I are both upset because uh, I'm, I'm it disappointed. also signals the end of track. Well, I'm disappointed. I, absolutely. For years, I listened to this broadcast yeah. from since 2013 when you were here, sitting here with the, your two other hosts. And all I heard was you laughing about the track athletes. Yeah. At least we get to see track athletes. No. There's no track. Yeah, nothing. It's a, it's a complete disappointment. It sucks. I think they should move right back to yeah, their job. That's right. That's it. <laughs> We're out of here, guys. Get rid of it. Get rid- <laughs> so anyway, first uh, initial impressions, and we'll break this thing down. I'll show uh, initial impressions of what you saw here, day number uh, two, but really one. Uh, I think it was it, it was a, it was a good start, right? Mm. So There's some energy on the field there at the beginning of practice. I think that I think that because of because of the young younger players that are going to have to play a larger role. Mm-hmm. It does seem like the vets are, are trying to bring the younger players on a little bit more at the start. I noticed that yesterday during the uh, walkthrough. Um, it, you know, def- Offensively, it felt like they were clicking, but the ones were really clicking. Right. right? The guys that have – on defense, you know, there was a lot more teaching going on. So I think that day two is going to be much better. I think – and then I think on Sunday when they throw the pads on, that's who we're, when we're really going to see – It has to be better in day two because uh, you, you're behind the eight ball in terms of being behind the curve and you look at your teams to the west, Edmonton and Calgary in your well, own division, they're already into day six of camp. Well, Ballsy, that – you know, Coach Dickinson was on your show yes. talking about the fact that they're five practices behind the Stamps and the S. Yeah. 
And today they ended practice early, right? So what, what did you want? Because you texted me that. You go, if they're so far behind, and I listened yeah. to your show yesterday, and he was kind of upset that his brother had a leg up on him. Yeah. Why didn't he go till noon? Yeah, and you don't have to go through, like, the one-on-ones and team drills to yeah. noon. But you have a, a, an extra block of time. Go through some install. Right. Start, start, start. Do some more walkthrough in some different situations. Right. Mm -hmm. Really play around with what guys are going to see, because that's the thing with the amount of young guys and the amount of guys that are going to have to contribute um, uh, on on the roster, like the new guys up front. Right. The running backs who are very young. There's going to be some wide receivers that are going to get an opportunity. The linebackers aren't as young up um, initially, but they get younger as they go along. You've still got some inexperience on the defensive backside of the ball. You've got to find a new defensive. And, uh, right. So yeah, there's like, if you're going to do that, go through some situations, really use that time. So we talk about the Edmonton Elks and the Calgary Stampeders getting a leg up in terms of practice. OK, but the riders catch a break here. The CFL is granting its teams a little extra time to make roster decisions because of the strike. The first one since 1974. So the riders won't have to make cuts until June 1st due to the rescheduling of their first preseason game. Toronto, Ottawa, Edmonton and Winnipeg will have to trim their rosters on May 28th, BC, Calgary, Montreal, and Hamilton will follow on May 29th. The Riders' first one isn't until the 31st. Good or bad? Oh, that's good, right? And, and when I talked to Coach Dickinson yesterday at the walkthrough, that's one of the things that he said. He didn't actually mention. He didn't talk about as much about like the practice time they had. Coach Dickinson was talking about the fact that they were able to make cuts already. Right. So, for instance, today, what did we see? We saw Edmonton release Cardale Jones. Yes. Right. So, so former Ohio yeah, State quarterback, yeah, former, Ohio, former star. Yeah. Right. And so, so that's what he was talking. He was talking about the other teams, Edmonton, Calgary. They have had a lot more decision making ability up to this point. So it's good that the league is granting the riders a little bit of grace because of that time frame that moved on them. I mean, it totally changed around the logistical. Yes. Um, like I really feel that. You know, what we saw out here, here today would have been totally different if they did have that game on Monday, right? Because right now, what you're able to do, if you don't have the game till the 31st, you're actually able to slow it down a little bit and teach these guys yeah. and give these guys a, a, the, the best opportunity they have to not go out there and make an error on assignment or alignment, right? Just go play free on fast on 31st. If they had the game this coming Monday, it would have been a totally different story. Right, they would have been rushing guys in and out. They probably would have played a lot more vets on the front end of that Monday game, right? So, so it's probably changed the whole logistical approach, and maybe that's why they didn't use the entire time frame that they had scheduled today because they understand now that they have a lot longer of an evaluation period until the thirty-first. But still, I mean, to to, I felt like they could have done, you know, they could have done a, a lengthy, a lengthened individual drill. I know, especially on the individual side, right? Do you like, think though? Do they have uh, PTSD? Uh, no, no, I'm serious. They had five guys blow Achilles in like 14 seconds uh. last year before camp. One of them we talked to, we saw two of them today, Nelson Lacombo and Larry Dean, who looked good and both relieved to be out there and, and running around once again, especially Dean, who's got more uh, got more yesterdays than tomorrow's in the CFL. Yes. Lacombo's a younger guy. He can recover from it maybe a little better. Uh, both can now because of modern medicine. But you, you look at this, Luke, and, and maybe Coach is like, hey, we don't, hey, let's just take it. These guys have been sitting around for four or five days. He said that on the show yesterday. Mm-hmm. We don't want to push them too yeah. hard the first day. Yeah, and maybe that's it, right? Maybe that's the – but again – 
you, you could do a walkthrough. Yeah, you can still you can still walk through some things. You can still go over technique because again, to evaluate these guys at their height of their playing ability, everything's got to slow down for them so they can move fast on the thirty first. The way you slow things down for them is by spending a lot more time teaching. Maybe they extended the meetings, for instance. Yeah. Right. Like we don't know, but I just felt like today, you know, after hearing them on your show and after seeing sort of the reaction around Edmonton and Calgary getting, I would have thought that they would have extended and used the amount of time they had on the field. How much I know like um when a when a when a program director in radio tells you to do something mm-hmm. and he can tell you two or three times but you still don't do it the way he wants you to do yeah. it. Then he plays you a piece of audio, your audio and then audio how he wants you to do it. Then you're like, "Oh, okay. So here's where I'm going with this. You you, you watch film and they're going to be breaking down film today." Yeah. How much more important are mental reps say tomorrow like oh. the mental reps the mental reps that you go through in the room are different than when you get on the field just yeah. talk about that transition because that's well, a big day tomorrow for some of these guys you're exactly right Bobby. because what they're going to do today they're going to go over the practice film they're going to mm-hmm. go over all their reps they're going to correct the things that need to be corrected and then they're going to install more mm-hmm. right so between those corrections that they need to make from today's practice and the install that's a lot for, for, for younger pros especially. Dan Clark and those guys, they don't care. Yeah, right? they, yeah, they, yeah, they, yeah. they understand. They're going to watch the, the, the film. The strike was okay yep. for Dan yeah, Clark. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Dan's like, we go back on strike till Saturday, right? <laughs> yeah. so, so, so for those guys, but again, when you look at our roster and you look at the dependency on some of these younger guys that mm-hmm. are going to have to be debt players or even guys who contribute major reps, right? That, that the gap there between corrections and then install that become that, that's a wide gap, right? There's a lot to absorb there. And that's what the coaches want to see tomorrow. They want to see, hey, have you? If you made a mistake on your alignment, in your, for example, as a defensive lineman, if you were supposed in base defense, if you're the strong side tackle and you lined up in a two eye in base defense instead of a three mm-hmm. technique, right? Are you going to make that same mistake twice? If you didn't use your hands, if you were if you were stepping in proper, right, on on certain calls or certain plays. Are you translating that to the field in the next practice? So that's one aspect they want to see. They want to see, are you a coachable guy and are you going to take coaching? And then they want to see, hey, how mentally, uh, what's your mental aptitude like when we throw more plays at you? Let me stop you. Uh, Jim Jim and Cornax in his uh, barn working on his tractor, getting ready to seed, okay, yeah. or whatever. And he's listening to Luke Mulder say, Defense two I three technique. Can yeah. you can you dumb it down for the oh yeah sure for, I mean, for the average fan realistically for the dumb play by play guy <laughs> all a, all a two I or all a two technique means is if there's an offensive lineman and I line up on him I'm pretty much lining up right down the middle like an eye yeah like yeah. Yeah, yeah. inside Dark, right on yeah, yeah, yeah. a three technique just imagine me putting my inside hand towards the ball on the inside of his of his outside foot so basically now I'm shaded on the outside of that tackle okay. right on either side. Right. So, but that's but that's what the coaches want to see. Okay. You know what, Charbel De Beer, great job. By the way, Charbel De Beer, whatever diet program he went on, we all need that. We're going to talk about yeah, that coming up because I talked to him, and it was amazing to talk. About he was over three hundred pounds. He's two seventy seven now, yeah. and he'll tell you a little later on in the show. He he 
didn't have the cardio to be on special teams. He mm-hmm. wants to be a. Uh, he said he wants to be like AC Leonard, a Swiss Army knife, yeah, a guy yeah. they could use all yeah. over the field, yeah. different things. And good for him, right? But to 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 analyze that part of his game last year, right? Because he was a really short yardage, yeah, one of the most effective defensive linemen we had on short yeah. yards, right? Especially yeah. at that middle. So you hope that hey, it translates a, but also he keeps the things that he was good at last year. But for a guy like that, okay, Charbel, you know, you, you, the ball went away from you at the snap of the ball right um you know you stepped with the wrong foot and that's why you got behind the offensive lineman who was blocking you and that's why he got position on you because you initially stepped with the wrong foot and you took the right foot and you stepped inside right let's just say that's the 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 assessment from his d-line coach the next time charbel lines up in that defense tomorrow the coach needs to hear or see that Charbel stepped with the right foot when it went away from him, led with the right hand, because that is what the assessment was and the coaching point that he needed to carry over, right? So that stuff's relatively easy. But then on top of it, you've got like six, seven new plays, right, that all have three or four different variations of those. Mm. So essentially, what is three times seven, 21? So yeah. Tony, you have the 21 new things that they're going to throw at you on top of the things that you need to get good at. And that's why you and I look at, Day three and day four is being such important days yeah. because now you're tired. Yeah. Right. Um, now there's been a lot more installed. And oh, by the way, you know, you, you have a certain amount of confidence or maybe you have a certain and there's amount more of videotape anxiousness about how yeah. you're playing. Right. And there's more tape. So, yeah, that's why those days are so important. So today I thought it was a good day. I didn't see any problems with today. Right. I mean, yeah. Right. Nation loves a good fight. Right. And and and. Who did it? Garrett Marine. Yeah, yeah. Wreck-It Ralph's in there already. But I think, I think, because last year, not only in games, but in camp last year, if I'm not mistaken, he was one of those guys yeah. trying to rough some people up and make a statement. So I wouldn't doubt, and you can maybe correct me on this, I wouldn't doubt if the old lineman said, hey, we're going to have to set a tone with this guy early because he is going to try to yeah. set a tone with yeah. us. So uh, don't back down yeah. from this guy. And it was oh. a Ty Rogers that got yeah. into it with him. Yeah. They were throwing it. That's what I was about to say. Oh, by the way, it was a guy, an offensive lineman who wasn't here last yes. year, by the way, right? Like, yeah. so, so that was – I think that – and especially – And stared him down, yeah, too. Especially with a guy like Garrett Marino, right? Yeah. Like, I watching him yesterday – you can see that there's just a different air of confidence about him. Even though it was just walkthrough, he was moving a lot. Like he was communicating with his guys, and you don't get that out of a first. He year knows player, it's right? his time now. Yeah. He knows he's he knows like a Johnson now. Some of these guys have a huge opportunity, right? Anthony yeah. Lanier yeah. as well. Yeah. I think that, and that may be the theme of this year's camp: opportunity. Because some of these cats have, a, like, wouldn't it, wouldn't you love to be a running back? There's literally nobody in there with any type of reputation on the Canadian Football League. Yeah, you're all even. Yeah, sure. Jamal got uh, Jamal Morrow's got some experience. Yeah, you know what? Keenan France has been around. Shaq, Shaq Cooper. Cooper okay, yeah. but yeah. nobody's a guy. No, right. No, that is something that they're probably salivating over, and that's where you also have to understand that if you're going to be a pro, the best way to put your best foot forward there is actually to work with your competition. Let's talk about that when we come back, and we'll also talk to one of the veterans who is a uh, we're happy he's back, uh, one of our favorite dudes on the team, Mike Adam. That and much, much more coming up on the Sports Cage for Nelson Holmes on 620 CKRM. Welcome back here to Griffith Stadium of the field where the Rough Riders held their first real training camp workout today. A spirited affair on a brisk morning 
Uh, nice smattering of fans, too. The diehards out watching there, Saskatchewan Rough Riders in training camp after we settled at uh, CBA. Uh, Ballsy along with Luke Molitor, the great uh, color commentator on the Rough Rider Radio Network. You talk about young guys trying to cut their teeth, but you got to have a couple of those gray beards. I wouldn't say he's a gray beard, but he is definitely a veteran guy, and he almost picked off Cody Fajardo on a seam pass on the far side of the field. Mike Adam jumps a pass intended for number five, Duke Williams. Nice read by a veteran safety. Well, one of the things that Mike talked to me about yesterday when it came to yeah. moving the hash marks is that he can get to, get to his marks as a safety a lot faster because normally his marks are outside the hash. Yeah. Now that they're closer together, he's got le- uh, less of his distance to go. Yeah. Um, he also talked about how, hey, like, you know, the, the, the boundary corner now is on an island, right? Yeah. There's no more using the, the boundary mm-hmm. as a 13th defender. So I, I, I would actually, as we go along, I'm really curious to see how much man defense. Like, are we just going to be man-on-man, best-on-best? I was talking about uh, that with um, with Trevor Lennon as well, yeah. right? Like, Because Trevor's like, you know, maybe a, a guy like Chris Jones is really looking to, to, to go and implement like a man-on-man look just because of the, the new width of this field, right? Yeah. But Mike Adam, man. He's ready to roll. He looks he is great. Re- He's he, lost some yeah. weight. Yeah, so let's say hear that interview. Luke Muller with Mike Edom. A little bit later of a start for these guys, but you obviously know why. Uh, today I am talking with Mike Edom. Um, high expectations for the secondary and the defense this year? As always. Yeah. As always. I, think, I think that changes. You know, you, you can't, you know, defense wins championships. So if we have to accomplish the goal we set out to accomplish, then defense has to be firing all cylinders. So uh, we were talking a little bit off the off the mic about uh, your offseason. Talk about some of the changes you made and, and how you looked at uh, this year coming off injury and, and really walking into a locker room where you're going to be a guy that's on that leadership pedestal. Right. I mean, it really started in the season. My end of the year meeting with Coach Dickey, you know, there's a few things um, he wanted me to uh, get done in the offseason, just get my body in better shape, just be better conditioned and just coming ready to play. And um, what helps doing that is getting, um, getting acclimated with my trainer. You know, in 2020, I kind of wanted to go cheap and, you know, not pay my trainer. But, you know, I saw the cost of that. So, you know, got back with my trainer and, you know, we, wor- we worked um, right when I got home from December 3rd. We've worked till right when I left on, on our last Friday last week. I even, I even trained on that Friday last week. Oh, wow. Yeah, right before I left, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. And, and, and you're obviously feeling, feeling a lot better comparatively. The, the the body's not even an option right now. It's more me trying to slow my mind down and calm my mind down, let the game come to me because you know I haven't played since last uh, September, right? So I'm I'm it's I'm itching at the bits to get out there. Got some new guys in a couple different spots, right? You got yeah. some young guys who who have a have a high expectation on them. Right. Um, what do you think about this secondary? What have you guys talked about since you've been in, arrived back in camp? Um, and, you know, Coach Clun's coming in and kind of putting his twists um, on the secondary and installing some new techniques and verbiage that um, he's, bringing, he's bringing with him, which is kind of nice. Um, I think we just got to take it day by day and, and, and build and understand we do have young guys in the group, but also we do have veteran leadership that they can lean on. So it's not all on them. They, they, they know they can turn to the right and, and talk to me and turn to the left, talk to Moncliffe and, and, and Nick. And even the, the guys that played last year in, uh, in Webb and, and Germ, you know, they like I, I, um, I told them today I'm not going to talk to you guys much um, this whole training camp because, you know, all that talking we did last year, now it's just time for you guys to go out and, and grow and be your own players. So, I mean, I have all the confidence in, in the guys we got. And obviously, not to take away from the guys that left because they're all, they're all great players, but, you know, we have work to do. Even the guys that left, they have to show up to their teams and, and still put in that work. So, at the end of the day, there's work to be done. Whatever you're going to accomplish, you know, starts with work. Talking to a couple of the coaches here during walkthrough, man, they're really excited about this linebacker and defensive line. 
you know what? The front end and the back end walk, uh, works uh, works together. So, you know, when you have a front like us and you have all them dogs up front, it's going to make the ball come out faster. It's going to make the ball come out a little wobbly. And it's going to make our life on the back end easy. And then also our linebackers, you know, they're very in tune. Even um, just going through walkthroughs, they're coming back and actually reading the right gap. You know, they're asking the right questions. So, you know, as much as a learning process for them, they're actually learning on the fly and they're doing a good job. And, uh, and I know it's only day one, but... We, we did a lot of uh, we did quite a bit of install before coming out here for them to be able to regurgitate that uh, in a matter of like what uh, 20 30 minutes it's, it's pretty impressive you know as a former defensive lineman I'm not sure how this would affect me but the rules changed a little bit this year uh, one specifically and, and something we're going to be talking about for a long time here especially during training camp is the hash marks moving in right. um, what do you see and what are the adjustments that, that you're going to have to make with those new hash marks I mean for me personally as a safety I, I don't think I have to make much adjustment because you know the hash marks are wider so you have to be able to get as a safety get outside the hashes I think that was hard enough as it is so bring the bring the hash marks you know have everything more in your face I think it's going to be tougher for the Wills, um, the, the, the Sams, because in terms of the run game, they'll be more involved in the run game. The Wills got to be able to get out to that too, because obviously it's going to be more field, you know, it's, it's going to be more, more space. Mm -hmm. So the Wills going to have to have good feet, be able to play in space. But other than that, I mean, it's football. I mean, you just got to, you know, take your drop, alignment, assignment, execution. It's funny. I, I talked to former teammates when those rule changes were made. And a couple of them are boundary corners. What what are the changes for the boundary corner specifically? Well, before they were able to use that sideline as a third as a thirteenth um, defender, right? Now that sideline might not be as close as you think it is, right? And there's going to be more balanced formations. So you just got to be aware how close you are to the sideline, how far you are to the sideline. You know, do you have three receivers? Does my, my read include three? Because before you used to two um, two receivers on that side, right? But now with the field uh, hashbacks coming in, it's going to be a lot more balanced formation. So just got to be aware how many receivers is there and how far that sideline is. I think the West is going to be better. Winnipeg obviously starts out with the lead dog just because they're the defending champions. Right. But uh, what does this team got to do to be successful in 2022? Take it one day at a time. Honestly, like looking ahead does nothing for anyone because looking ahead, then you start avoiding missing um, little tidbits and little important things, attention to details. Just take it one day at a time. I think our coaches know what we have to accomplish this year. Players know what we have to accomplish this year. You know, looking ahead doesn't help us. Putting our heads down and working is the only thing that's going to get us that promised land. There it is. Mike Edom, returning leader off of injury this year, looking like he slimmed down, got with his yeah. trainer. Hey, man, stay healthy this year. Thanks a lot, brother. Right. Thanks for having me. Luke Mullender with our, our friend Mike Edom. Uh, yeah, so I, I'm looking for big things from Edom, a guy that, uh, like he said, was out since September, cheaped out on his trainer. Yeah. I like that. But uh, like I said, had a had a pretty good presence early on in practice here. And yeah. his role goes up exponentially now that Purifoy and Ganey are gone. Well, that's the biggest thing is that this defense is going to have to find the vocal leaders on the field, right? You're going to – and Ed, Ed did a lot of that, right, especially when mm -hmm. Adam went down. So um, Adam being back, it was really nice to see him back there. Again, he, he looks slimmed down. I think there's, you know, there's less weight weighing him down, obviously. I mean, he made, he made the, probably the biggest plays of all the DBs today during, during that stretch. So um, I just – I talked to a guy who's just really excited. Yeah. When a 10-year vet – or a nine-year vet says, you know, I've got to slow my mind down. Like, that that means you are amped. Because, like you mentioned, Dan Clark, right? He's probably not excited. His Trust me, his mind slowed down all the yeah, way. His, yeah. his mind's just focused on getting to the 31st. That's right. right. Like, but Adam seems like a kid in a candy store, right? Yeah. Because that's what happens when you miss a ton of time. And you know what? You can do a great job as a leader 
and a sideline coach. But when you're a player, you're a player. And you want to set the best example for the guys around you. But it still hurts not. He's a out. very violent player. He reminds me of a Tyron Brackenridge. He, why would he care about your body? Because he doesn't care about his body yeah, when he, he plays football. Do you know what I mean? Another guy like that was Kitwana Jones. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, violent player. Very violent. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit of, uh, about a couple of the guys that weren't here. One uh, kind of interesting uh, that he wasn't here, or wasn't on the field. Talk a little bit about the O-line because that's going to be an area of contention for this team or uh, spotlight for this team. And I want to talk about this hockey tournament that is in town, and it seems like everybody's staying in our hotel. Come on. We have such first-world problems. <laughs> this is the sports cage for Nelson Holmes on 620 CKRM. And welcome back to Griffith Stadium, the only show on location here. Your voice of Rough Riders football is 620 CKRM. Michael Ball along with our outstanding color analyst on the Rough Rider Radio Network, Luke Mullender. The show is brought to you by Nelson Holmes. If you want to text in, please do so, 936-6262. If you have a question for, well, predominantly Luke, but I can throw in my two cents in as well, you can text us on the Capital Ford Lincoln text line, 936-6262. And all our guests come to you via the Western Pizza Hotline. We'll check in around the CFL a little later on uh, with A.J. Jackiebeck, voice of the Ottawa Red Blacks, who signed the uh, cast-off to Vaughn Smith, who was the receiver from the Edmonton Elk organization played a bit in the NFL of the Canadian they released him but he's picked up in Ottawa adding to their already you know presumably deep receiving core and we'll go the other way and talk uh, with the BC Lions color commentator Julio Caravada too oh, nice. after six o'clock plus we'll mix in some battle of Alberta round number two tonight Oilers and the Calgary Flames uh, I noticed on the offensive line today Luke when I was uh, scrolling through there we had no uh, Evan Johnson, he was an out there once again. The uh, the Regina kid, Saskatoon uh, Husky player, came over from the Red Blacks last year. Had an okay year. Was trying to find his way on that offensive line. Uh, got better as the season went along, but it's interesting. He wasn't on the field. And Blaze Brown out. He's recovering from his shoulder injury. So I don't know uh, what the issue is with Evan Johnson. Yeah, it, he wasn't even at walkthrough yesterday. And so, you know, who knows? Maybe there's a decision made. Maybe he's got some family issues going on, right? Maybe it's COVID. Who knows, right? Mm. And we're in a day and age where so many things play into a guy being on the field and off the field, right? It's not like back in the day when I first got there when guys were just, I mean, we probably had COVID. We were still out there fighting. (laughs) That's right, right. yeah, There was no excuse. This year, there's a lot more, or this day and age, there's a lot more. Um, attention paid to physical, but more also mental health. So, you know, well, you know what Evan Johnson's going to bring to the table, so you kind of know that already. But, so, but Ballsy, it was a really good point about him doing well. Yeah, but not, and and you want to con- see him continue to gel with a guy like Dan. He was okay, right? but he wasn't like I, I'm not being critical of an offensive lineman. I never played in this league. I expected more from Evan Johnson, I guess is the way to put it. I think he expected more of himself. Mm-hmm. I think we'll get more from him, hopefully, yeah. depending on what's going on here. But the offensive line running through plays early on was uh, Taron Vaughn, mm-hmm. 
Logan Furland, who everybody's raved about, and uh, we expect another big year from him. Dan Clark, the center of attention. Josiah St. John at right guard. Big St. Joe. And uh, Natai Rogers. Uh, uh, interesting. I'm, you know, if, if, if Josiah St. John wasn't a first overall selection, I don't think people would be as critical of him as, as they are now, or the expectations wouldn't be as high. Like, I think he is a, a pretty good football player. Uh, this is a big year for him, though, in the CFL. Make or break year. Yeah, There's it a couple is. guys it, it really make is. or break years. It I think really Justin is. McInnes is on a make or break year as well. But this is a, this is a guy. I'm not just going to try to point him out, but he's an example of a guy that could take this season from here to here just with his play. If he realizes the potential that a Chris Jones and some people see in him because he keeps getting brought back for a reason. He's obviously got something to offer. His best football was in 2019 when he got a significant amount of playing time near the end of the year, and he played really, really well. I remember Brendan Labatt raving about him um, after uh, the first couple games. But I think that right now, especially in these first few days, we're going to see a rotation yeah. and a mix of Don't read into it too much yet. Especially at the tackles, right? I, yeah. I have a feeling they might really be monitoring the shoulder, um, uh, uh, the shoulder of Taron Vaughn. Taron Vaughn. I think that, you know, Dan Clark, here's the thing. The heart and soul of that whole thing is Dan Clark. So, um, and I don't know whether he's going to be on a pitch count. I don't know whether you start rotating a guy like Logan Furling in at center occasionally and other guys just to, because you got to prep for anything, right? But I, I definitely think you're going to see a mix of tackles for sure on that one group. I wouldn't, I wouldn't read too much into it. We've talked about Clarky a lot, and we know his story. But, I mean, it, it really is an amazing, amazing Saskatchewan success story. Like, he is... He has scraped and clawed and fought for everything he got. I mean, there was at one point Edmonton wanted to sign him for more than he took with the Riders because he wanted to come back and be a Saskatchewan Rough Rider. True story. And even as early as a couple of years ago, people were like, ah, maybe his time's passed. I don't know. Maybe he should be gone. And he just keeps... Nobody's giving him credit for his time, though. No, that's right. (laughs) But he is the center. He is the glue right now on that offensive line. It's great watching the way... And there's such a difference in the communication levels, right? And that's what people who are here at practice, you're going to see. It's going to start to really show here in the next couple days is is dan clark gets out there everything is smooth everybody's moving the right way everybody and if they're not they're talking about it right away and on the twos and and the c group right that it won't be as smooth it'll be a little bit cluttered but that's what you get with experience this guy has seen it all and uh, like you said he, he loves this province i think that um you know he's 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 truly been a guy that has enjoyed every single moment of being a saskatchewan rough rider because he's been a good great community advocate as well well i mean (laughs) Football in its simplest form is pretty easy. You protect your quarterback and you make the other quarterback uncomfortable. I know it's easy to say the success of this team lies with Cody Fajardo, and it does. If he gets hurt, I don't care who we got in the other positions, we're, we're done. But let's, let's just, let's just say he's going to be okay. Then it really does come down to the offense and the defensive lines. That's the game right there. That is the success of the team right there in the trenches. It is. All last year, what were we talking about? We were talking about we were giving a lot of flack or slack to Cody for missing, right? Yeah. Because the main narrative was, wow, the offensive line's breaking down in front. Mm. This year, we come in here, we're talking about new guys in different spots, but everybody knows that this 
team is going to go as far as this offensive line is able to take them. They have to give Cody the chance this year to prove that he can hit the deep ball consistently. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, that is how this is going to work. This defense, that's where all the, the, the experience and the playmaking ability is right now. They're going to have to carry this team for the first couple of games while the offensive line and running back combos figure things out. But at the end of the day, if the Saskatchewan Rough Riders are going to be in the Grey Cup in 2022, it's going to be because the offensive line protected and let Cody Fajardo make big plays. They're the heartbeat of your football team. You're They're the right. heartbeat of Especially your football team. Especially in this case. Yeah, they are. Um, you talked about Taron Vaughn and his shoulder. Just talk about how difficult it is to have a shoulder injury as, well, a left tackle. A guy that's, yeah. I mean, that you got to use your hands. you got to use your reach. Yeah. Uh, I know it's a lot of guys like you. I'm saying you specifically, but, you know, some guys you see them put their hands up. They can only put their arm up for a couple of yeah. minutes because they're in pain. Yeah. So just talk about that. Well, Taron Vaughn, his ability, what makes him exceptional is his athletic ability, his ability to move. But when you see him go through his steps, I mean, it's always that left shoulder firing, right? right. It's always it's so much of an offensive lineman's dependency is is on impact. So you have to be able to make that impact, whether it's whether it's run blocking or blocking some of these elite pass rushes that he's going to see, especially when you're putting your arm out on an island, right? Mm-hmm. And you know how injuries are. Yeah. Um. You know, your son's seen it already. Yeah. With his time down south is you're just one funny movement away from tearing something. Right. Right. So I think it's probably a big concern. I think that, you know, they're probably talking about the shoulder with him constantly, especially in the training room. How, how are we feeling? I wouldn't be surprised to see him because we have a longer stretch get a veteran of practice. Day. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised to see him get a veteran day. Right. Because again, he's, when you look at the tackles that we have in camp, He's probably got the most experience. Maybe not recent experience, but he's the guy that they were really depending on. You know, I mean, we have a guy like Andrew Lauderdale. I mean, he started a lot of games for us last year, and we haven't even talked about him yet, right? Yeah. Like he, the guys that were playing last year aren't even getting a chance to play. He yeah. hasn't played at all last year, and he's getting a chance right away. Yeah. So you can tell he's special. It's just now you have to manage that workload. How does, it, how does that play with regards to, uh, you know, Day three, you're sweating, you're grinding, and, and the guy's over there. He's getting a Veterans Day. Is it is it okay? Like, you know what I mean? I often thought about that. Guys, young guys see it and they think it's like, oh man, that guy must be a guy, right? It's 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 a bit, it's a bit. You get it, right? Like, okay, you get it. Some guys. Well, some I mean, guys like a Charleston it. Hughes has a resume. Yeah, uh, some guys yeah. have a resume, right? Yeah, right. Like those are those are guys, and they need a break. I remember. Uh, when I first got into the league, big Fred Childress, right? He was one of our best yep. players yep. on game day. He was literally the worst practice guy ever in the history of football, though. It was because he's been there, seen it all, he's done it all. He doesn't need to practice, right? Yep. So, yep. so Taron Vaughn, I think that he's not a guy that doesn't need to practice by any means, but he is a if guy he doesn't that practice, have to monitor. Yeah, yeah, they have to monitor him. Yeah, yeah. exactly, right? And, and, and getting a vet day, especially in this situation for this offensive lineman, I would, if I'm anybody but Taron Vaughn, I want Taron Vaughn taking a break because that means I'm getting more reps. Our text line is brought to you by Capital 
Ford Lincoln at the corner of Rochdale and Pasqua, 936-6262. Rob Banstone of the Leader Post texts in. He said, thanks, Luke and Ballsy, for putting on a fabulous show. Well, I take my snowy walk in Regina with the dog. Apparently it's, it's snowing. snowing. Apparently, yeah, yeah. Oh, well, yeah. You know, I don't feel so <laughs> it's bad now. It's yeah. me long weekend. Yeah. Uh, Zinger, you got a text as well. Go ahead. Yeah, I've got a text on the text line. TC listening in from Medicine Hat says, dudes, we back. Thoughts on running back? Morrow, Frankie Hickson, DJ Foster. What do you guys think? All right, that's a good one because I did want to get to the running back side. Uh, Morrow's a guy that comes in, I guess, as the guy you'd say, okay, he's got the inside track, great kick returner, great punt returner. Let me ask you this first before we get to the breakdown. How much does being a kick returner slash punt returner help you as a running back, or does it? I don't know. Sometimes I don't think it helps you at all if you're if you're looked at as a kick returner or punt returner because I think a punt returner. Say, I think a punt returner though would help you in a in a certain situation because you're in a tight spot. It's it's more kind of make it up a little bit, jump cuts and that type of stuff. Yeah, but uh, but the reason I say that is because I think that you get typecast by coaches. Oh, hey, look, like, let's, can we not start that guy, please? Because he's really valuable on punt return, <laughs> right? Start someone else. Yeah. Leave this guy yeah. to me because what it also does is it caps your earning potential. Yeah. yeah right? it does, if you're not yeah. out there, mm. you know, two, three, two, three downs in, in the game yeah. consistently, you know, your, your earning potential can is this, capped. You're already capped as an American. Can this team afford to keep two of the same kind of guys, like a Shaq Cooper, like a Jamal Morrow? I think so. Uh, the, whether how you keep them is more, I think, the question. I think they would want to keep a guy like Morrow and Shaq mm. Cooper, but I do think that one of them, you know, it might be like in a practice roster sense, yeah. right? and then the player would have to determine. But again, I, I think that I think that for Jamal Morrow especially, Jamal Morrow has a big opportunity to 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 take the the actual running back role, mm. right? I think that he's. I don't think that he's come in here resigned himself to be the go-to punt returner on this. No, team. I think that if he has, he's making a huge mistake. But it's been actually really refreshing, especially yesterday, um, watching Keenan LaFrance and Albert Awachi. And the reason I say it's refreshing is because these guys have been around the block, and 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 both were very vocal in their leadership yesterday, especially. And today we watched a little bit as well. So yeah. I think that these guys have some some leaders, or at least guys who are going to get them lined up in the right place, um, in order for them to be successful. But again, that competition is wide open. Yeah, right? you got like a Tremaine Pope. He's a former uh, running back. He played actually. And he's my, good. He played for my favorite team, the Chargers, back in the day. He's a he's a bowling ball kind of guy. He's five. Five foot eight. Yeah. He's at uh, uh, 205 pounds. He's got some speed, some good balance. What I remember from watching him in the brief time I watched him. So he's a guy worth watching too. And really think back to it. I really appreciated everything that William Powell brought to this team, right? But they didn't utilize him enough, in my opinion. Well, and I mean, even before William Powell, you, you have to go back considerably here. Yeah. To find yourself the last impactful Saskatchewan Rough Rider running back. Like, really think about it. Yeah. Right? Like, it's, it's, it's been a while. And is this the group that the next impact running back um, is in? I'm not sure, right? But one of the things that I do know is that it goes back to that Protect Cody conversation. If you can't block for that's what I was going to ask. That's what I was going to ask you. Running's, out of the job. running's one Great. thing. Running's one thing. You got to be able to catch the ball out of the backfield. Uh, Morrow had a drop that he wasn't too happy with in in just a regular passing drill here. Uh, you got to pick practice. up the blitz. You got to. But it's blocking and picking up the blitz. That's absolutely it right. 
you see the zero look every time. Chris Jones is back in the league. You're going to see yeah. seven or eight guys lined up constantly, right? Yeah. Uh, Calgary does it. They they move. And and that's the other thing about this league is when you look at the defensive fronts, the linebackers, the defensive linemen, they're always twinti- twisting and sun- stunting, right? Yeah. So, for instance, people that are listening here, what I mean by that is is there are guys that line up in one spot and loop into another spot yeah. and guys loop behind them and stuff. If you're a running back that can't track – the guy that you're supposed to block or at least to understand the gap where you're going to fill to block, you can't play in this league. We'll take a break. When we come back, we'll hear from Justin McKinnis in conversation with Luke Molitor. This is the Sports Cage live from training camp for Nelson Holmes on 620 CKRM. Taking a stop down downtown Regina for a quick moment for your sports ticker for Bronco Plumbing and Heating. Then we'll get you back up there to Saskatoon. Bronco Plumbing and Heating, where professional service is guaranteed. They'll treat you right, 781-2090. Game 2 of the Battle of Alberta tonight. Edmonton Oilers look to rebound after a disappointing Game 1. Puck drops at 8.30 Saskatchewan time. A nice late one tonight. Rangers and Hurricanes drop the puck for Game 2 at 6 p.m. Hurricanes with a one to nothing series lead there. And the Boston Celtics ran the Miami Heat out of their own building last night in Game 2 to tie the series at 2. 127-102 was the final. Al Horford and uh, Marcus Smart were back in the lineup for the Celtics, so it's going to be tough to beat a full-strength Boston squad. Game two of the Western Conference Final tonight, Dallas Mavericks, Golden State Warriors, stayed up 1-0 in that series, opening tip at 7 on TSN. And quickly, the host cities for the 2026 FIFA World Cup in Canada, the United States and Mexico, will be announced on June 16th. 22 cities entered the selection process, including Toronto's BMO Field, Edmonton's Commonwealth Stadium, and Vancouver's BC Place. Let's head to uh, Saskatoon Griffith Stadium now. Ballsy and Luke. I am Michael Ball along with Luke Molitor. That's our great producer, Sean Kleisinger. And Luke Molitor, you had a chance to catch up with Justin McKinnis. Funny, last year, Braden Lenius came in and we were calling him Lenius. He looked fit. He looked ready to go. Had a great year. Earned a contract now with the Atlanta Falcons or at least a shot to go to training camp. Justin McKinnis, big year for him. Coach Dickey admits it later when we'll play his audio. But uh, what did you see before we get into your interview from Justin McKinnis? Well, McKinnis has lost a ton of weight. Yeah. Um, he looks good out there, but vastly different yeah. Yeah. than last year. Yeah. Night and day. Yeah. Let's get to your interview with Justin McKinnis. Wide receiver, Canadian, Justin McKinnis. Hey, man, so how'd the offseason treat you? Absolutely amazing. Um, it was really nice to bounce back from COVID. That was a really tough year. But, um, you know, being down in Florida this year and everything going smooth, I was able to really focus on coming to camp in shape and just being the best me I can be this year. Yeah, you look like you've leaned up. You look like you're a little bit better shaped this year. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, my schedule is still tough watching the baby, but, I mean, I found the time to get in the gym. And like I said, there was a lot of external stresses that were taken off my shoulders this offseason, so it was really easy to stay focused. And when you talk about staying focused, what are some key elements that you, that you did manage to focus on that maybe you didn't get to uh, last year? Um, just everything. I mean, I just had more time to myself this year. I mean, like I said, you know, with the COVID year and the baby, it was really tough. Um, but this year, like I said, I was just able to find a good routine and everything with my lady being in school and just figure it all out. Really take the time to sit down, relax and, you know, really, really make a plan moving forward, which yeah. is really nice. Had some changes in the lineup. Looks like you're going to get a massive opportunity to contribute here this year. Um, what do you what goes into that this year? Does your preparation uh, in camp change at all? Uh, for myself, absolutely. I mean, um, it's a position I'm not familiar with, but 
I feel really comfortable in, um, just like studying and going over it all the time. It's something that comes really natural to me, just being in this offense now for a year and having that sort of knowledge for it. For Rider Nation, you talk about a new position. What is it specifically new um, um, in this offense for you? I'm just being that slot back, um, big body kind of doing some different things that, you know, that the outside receivers won't necessarily do. Mm -hmm. Now, even though, you know, you're still a young guy, um, you know, you are one of the vets now, right? right? Uh, So, you know, what are the conversations like with with some of these new receivers that are coming into the league and seeing this league for the first time? Right. I I know it can be overwhelming, you know, coming in at first, you know, it's a big playbook. Um, That's what the most people have troubles with. Just just be confident, you know, take the time to study, learn it. Don't feel pressured. Don't be afraid to ask questions. Um, but that's what I like about our group is really close-knit guys, and we're always there to help no matter what. You know, I'm glad you mentioned that, too, because watching walkthrough today, offense looked crisp. I know it's only day one and it's a walkthrough, but, you know, there was a good pace to it. The energy level seemed good. Is this a group that's ready to go? Oh, absolutely. I mean, we came into camp ready to go, so, um, you know, we're close. We've been getting together, hooping together, playing basketball together, just talking, chop- chopping it up, gaining that time with some of the new guys. So, um yeah, when we're out there, we communicate, you know, even if we know the stuff, we still communicate just to make it that much easier. I was talking with Mike Adam, and uh, one of the things that I always ask the guys, especially at the beginning of training camp, is, is in order for this team to be a success in 2022, get to that great cup, win that great cup at home in front of your fans, what do you got to do? What are some key elements that you guys need to satisfy? Just be consistent. I mean, you know, on offensive, don't make turnovers and make the big play. Um, but consistency is the key. I mean, you know, last year we had our ups and downs um, and we still managed to fight through it. So if this year we can just raise that consistency to a level we've never been at, I think that it won't, it won't be that challenging to make it that far. Well, I, we also talked with some of the DBs about the hash mark change. So from an offensive player and a, and a receiver especially, um, are, where are the advantages for an offense uh, with these hash mark changes for you? Um, it gives us more field. It gives us a lot more field to work with. Um, on both sides, the boundary and the field. So, I mean, that's exciting for us. Of course, we love the space and to run around and, you know, just have fun out there. Um, But it is going to be kind of funny seeing it for the first time and still trying to adjust our offense to the new hash, which we haven't got to do yet. But um, like I said, just more field, that's the receiver's dream. Yeah, I talk a lot about on the radio that it takes an element of selfishness because, you know, you want to set your own personal goals because you know that if you succeed and the guy next to you succeeds with his individual goals, it's better as a team. So what are you coming in individually looking at and hoping to accomplish this year? Like I said, um, you know, this will be my – I'm trying to stay healthy this year first and foremost – um, because I had troubles with that in the past. But um, I'm not a very selfish player. I just want to make it to the Great Cup, whatever that means. I just want to stay healthy for all games, be able to put in my best effort every game, and, you know, just, just make a name for myself this year. Make myself a household name and be remembered. Good for you, man. Well, number 18, Justin McKinnis making his return. Exciting time, Rider Nation. Couple of greats right there, Molliner and McKinnis. When we come back, we'll hear from more of the Riders, Charbel DeBeer. Coach Craig Dickinson and some thoughts on the hash marks changing in the CFL. This is the Sports Cage on a Friday from training camp for Nelson Holmes on 620 CKRM. The Sports Cage podcast is brought to you by Saskatchewan Seniors Mechanism, advocating for Saskatchewan's older people for 30 years. SKSeniorsMechanism.ca. And welcome to Griffith Stadium, day number two of training camp, first full workout for the Rough Riders outdoors here on the brand new turf. 
at Griffith Stadium. Beautiful turf here, although I guess they do have drainage problems, so we have to hope for no precipitation here in Saskatoon. Uh, it just was cold today, but the Riders had a spirited workout. We saw a fight early on between uh, Garrett Marino who was trying to make his mark in the interior on that defensive line. He got into it with the new offensive lineman for the Rough Riders, Natai Rogers. They threw some haymakers, actually. The coaches got into it. I thought at first they were kind of joking around because just kind of the way that uh, Marino was throwing his punches. Then I'm like, oh, wait, no, that's Garrett Marino. He is not joking around. Yeah, Garrett Marino is <laughs> just the guy who, like, winds his arms yeah. up and just starts throwing That's them what like, I thought. Yeah, I was like, yeah, what, yeah. what are you doing, man? But no, he Wreck was, your Ralph, man. Yeah, he was mad. Uh, by the way, we will get to more training camp talk in a second, but I want to bring up something that's taking place in Saskatoon. It's the Thunderstick Hockey Tournament. It's a huge indigenous hockey tournament in recognition of Fred Sasakamus. Actually went down in the elevator with uh, his daughter, who's here oh, no on way. behalf of the family. And uh, yeah, there's like 80 men's teams and I think 15, 12 or 15 women's teams. Um, and I uh, I didn't realize it was this big. A lot of them are staying in our hotel. Huge. And I'll tell you what, Ethan Bear has played in this. Dwight, uh, or sorry, uh, oh, what was his name? D- uh, what would he play? Dwight. Um, you just told me. A couple yeah, of what ago. the heck was his name? Drawing a blank. Drawing a blank. But he played for the L.A. Kings. Dwight King Dude. played for the L.A. Kings, went to the Leafs, won a Stanley Cup with the Kings. He's playing in this. There's, it, it's, it's a really good tournament, and it's over here at the, the Belcher Arena on campus so and, th- and three other ones. Yeah, yeah, so that's yeah. cool. And I want to tie that into something you did today. Uh, you're talking to me. Hey, Ballsy, I'm in my room. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm on a big, con- yeah. big conference call uh, watching practice. Well, yeah, I can't was- come down here. I'm like, okay fair weather announcer but then then you were with the red cross and you went to pa today tell me about that you know what we uh we're we're really proud today uh today we we signed a uh, relationship protocol agreement that um essentially um is going to allow the canadian red cross to walk alongside uh the prince albert grant council as they continue to develop the capacity to lead Mm. uh their communities when it comes to emergency response situations it's a very uh it's a very big deal because um you know, as you know, that the, the, the we're we're in the era where truth, acknowledgement, yep. and and all of those conversations are so important, and it's it's just really nice that uh, you know we 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 align. Um, you know, we we're learning, we're sharing, and um, and the, at the end of the day, if there is an emergency response situation, the people of the Prince Albert Grand Council, and really it's our goal with all our Indigenous communities, but the people of the PAGC are, are going to be treated fairly, respectfully, yep. and, um, and, and they're going to be able to lead from a nation-to-nation standpoint versus, yeah. you know, an external party, um, you know, uh, uh, presence. So, so it, was, uh, it, was, it was an important day for the record. Three areas we can grow the CFL, can, football in general, mm-hmm. women, which we're already doing a pretty good job yes. of, new Canadians, mm-hmm. indigenous people. They have unbelievable athletes. There are a lot of athletes, just because even their finances, they slip through the cracks, uh, their, their upbringing, and they just, uh, they just don't have the path to success in sports that other people would, and we need to find that. I mean, you look at what Ryan Hall's doing out there with Ochapaways, Kakawishtaha, and Kawas's First Nation. They, uh, they he's trying to get a football team going there with the three uh, three uh, reservations. And yeah, I mean, you go watch some of this hockey. I guarantee you. I remember playing some of those Indigenous teams in hockey, man. I was like, holy cow! Yeah. There's yeah. some great athletes. Well, you know, and that's uh, there's a huge disparity in resources when it comes yeah. to uh, and access. Yeah. Right. I use the uh, I use the example of Yellowknife and curling. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'll tell you, right. you put a good facility out there in Yellowknife, nobody's beating Yellowknife. Yeah. Right? Like, so So you really wish that, and, and again, it's nice to be on the, on the non-sports side of that in providing some of those resources mm-hmm. to community because when, when um, indigenous communities have access to those resources, they use them tremendously well, and mm-hmm. they benefit a lot of people. Um, so, so, yeah, athletics is, is no different. And it, it's always nice, though, to see, um, to, to see representation you know, at the highest levels. And I think that the more resources, the more access you can give certain groups, right? Yeah. New Canadians as well. Yeah. Right? Okay. So uh, I got to ask a hockey, I got to ask you a hockey question. Okay. I got to not you. bring this yeah, up. Yeah. I got to ask you a hockey question. You won. I don't want to The greatest hockey player <sighs> in the world, wow. Austin Matthews. Listen, uh, we're, we're here to talk he, about football. Is he, pl- is he playing? We're here to talk is he about play? football. Is he playing? <laughs> like when you and I go for supper tonight, we're watching the Oilers, right? You and I are going to watch the Oilers with Connor McDavid play the Flames, right? really looking for. Huh? Yes, we are watching stupid Connor did you McDavid, break the your second t- best player in the NHL. <laughs> did you break your TV? Did I you, didn't break my TV. Did you kick TV. a dog or something? It was just, you know what? I'm not mad. <laughs> yes, I'm you disappointed. are. You're mad. You know, and you're just like, like, come on. Why? I, why did we have to get Tampa? I don't know. Why did we get Tampa? But you're going to lose. Got LA. You're going to Tampa. You're going to lose to the three-time champions, though. That does not make me feel better. This is ridiculous. Oh, but hey, just... all joking aside, all jo- I know you still and you appreciate great athletes. Whether the Oilers win or lose, what Connor McDavid is doing is on another level. You have to admit that. Like to watch him dominate. Not admitting anything. Not admitting anything. Oh, I'm no. sorry, but when I watch, it's like watching Pee Wee hockey. He's like a... the other guy, he's okay. He's, decent. he's just bigger than the other guys. <laughs> hey, we talk about this team. The Rough Riders, yeah. an opportunity knocking man. The door is okay. Wait, Charbel De Beer, are you ready? Because oh. it is your time right now with uh, Micah Johnson leaving and with uh, with no Mac Henry now. Here's a chance for Charbel De Beer to walk right through Opportunity's door. Are you there? No, I haven't hit it yet. I'm waiting for you to say oh, something. Oh, I, I was waiting for no, the interview. I'm going to hit. Like, I'm going to hit the interview, but I want to comment from you first. I'll tell you what: to lose that much amount of weight, um, you lost about forty pounds. Yeah, he's he's identified, and it was really nice to hear you say that he identified aspects in his game that he wanted to build on mm-hmm. because he wants to contribute more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, i.e., the special teams. Yes, example, right. So you lose that weight. Does it transfer? Because one of the things I don't want people to forget about um, De Beer, Charbel, is the fact that he was very good. He was one of their best defensive linemen at the the end of the year in those short yardage situations. I mean, he was a plug, and those are what you really come to expect out of Canadian defensive tackles. So let's hear from him. Let's hear from him, and then I'm going to get you. I'll hit the interview now, Luke. Yeah. Uh, I was sitting here. But I want to ask you, when we're done, how his game is going to change. So let's see if I can do this right, folks, and hit it. He's always hitting each other every play, so you're bound to get a little feisty in there. Yeah, for you know? sure. So this is a big year for you, man. You've got an opportunity to uh, to make some waves here with, yeah. uh, you know, Micah Johnson leaving and Matt yeah. Henry. What are your goals for this season? Uh, biggest goal, start the season, uh, start throughout the year, be able to become a CFL All-Star, uh, beat all my pre-accolades, uh, so get more sacks than I did last year, Get more TFLs, you know, just be that big part piece of the team that makes a difference. Yeah, so just talk about, uh, just talk about uh, you know, maybe one of the things that you do want to work on differently yeah. from last year, you know, that you evaluated in your yeah. team from last year or this year. Yeah, so biggest thing last year was uh, 
cardio was the biggest thing. I was trying to stay, be able to stay on the field all all game, uh, not be a liability, get that advantage over people so I could play special teams and defense and wherever they want me to play. So I had to lose, came in 330 last year, now uh, came down to 275 now. So feeling good, feeling great, ready to go. Uh, just working on my hands, working on my strength. And just keep my cardio going. So yeah, so you feel like you, you know, kind of like I, I look at AC Leonard. He's kind of like a Swiss Army knife. Yep. You're kind of a different body type. But you exactly. kind of want to be like that. Exactly, player. exactly. Because I play in the inside, but I I feel perfectly comfortable playing outside, D tackle, or even uh, back up a little bit. Yeah. You know, drop out. So what's what's the best thing about a Jason Shivers defense? Jason Shivers is that he really trusts you if you show that you get the. The plays you get his techniques he's gonna give you a lot of freedom around so if he believes in you and if he trusts you he's gonna know that you're gonna make the right plays within the defense so he's gonna let you move around he's gonna let you make your own plays within the d-line so you guys can communicate and it doesn't always have to be him giving you something to do so it's like it feels like like it's our own thing you know so, uh, lastly, do you feel uh, a sense of relief that we got this whole strike thing over oh, with? Yeah. It must have been frustrating to be here for a few days and not be on the field. Yeah, very frustrating. And, you know, like, this is a third year, fourth year, really, with COVID, but I really consider myself still young, yeah. still a rookie. You know, it's been going really fast, so I'm just trying to play. You know, I understand union, we stand together, but I really just wanted it to get figured out real quick so everybody could be on the same page again get back to what we do best. Sarbel, you paid forward. By that I mean, like when you came here, somebody took you under his wing. I know you're competing for a job, yeah, right? Yeah. That's the nature of the business. Exactly. But do you, do you kind of help some of these young guys? Oh yeah, most, they're, they're going through? yeah, most definitely. When I came, I had a bunch of mentors from the start. Micah Johnson being one of them, Zach Evans, AC Leonard, still one of my biggest mentors. Uh, I got Mac. You know, so everybody just learn from everybody, which is the great thing about this environment. Nobody really thinks they're better than you, better than, they just try to, you know, everybody's one team. So when new people come, I got Reese, a uh, new junior coming in, Kaylin, JT, you know, KD, all these new people ready to learn, don't come with an attitude, just good people, fun time. So I'm liking in the vibe already. So I think it's going to be a great year. Okay, heading into your fourth, third, fourth year, what's your yeah. favorite thing about the CFL? First thing I see, I think is already the people. Yeah. So already Regina, the fans for sure, like, yeah. and then the people and the games are so exciting. Like compared to NFL, you know, yeah. you never really get these games where you never know what's gonna happen until the very end. So it's everybody's game. Nobody knows who's up, who's what. It's just at the end of the day, somebody's gonna come out. Really interesting. So that's Charbel De Beer joining us here, um, and I'll tell you what, man. Uh, that's a lot of weight loss. So how does that yeah. affect? Is that too much of weight loss? Well, it's it's actually it's good that you say that because I remember in two thousand and uh, I think it was two thousand eight. No, it was, yeah, no, 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 it was two thousand seven actually. One of the years, Scott Schultz came into camp having shed like thirty five pounds. He mm -hmm. looked shredded. Mm -hmm. Like I remember him like doing handstand push ups. This is Scott Schultz. This is, this is bull rush. This is not yeah. right. Like, and he and he looked great, and he was quick. You know what? He wasn't comfortable with it. Mm -hmm. He was proud that he had lost the weight, and he. But his game that it didn't suit his game. He still wanted to go right through you. That was that's what made Schultz so good. Is from snap one to snap seventy five, he was going to go right down your face and beat you up. Right, all game. Um, chunk 
Marcus Adams was the same way. He lost a ton of weight, and he didn't like it either, right? He was faster, but he felt he was too light. They both felt like they weren't able to do it physically or, or the way they wanted to do it. They're still very good players, obviously, right? And and, and as the season progressed, they, they gained, you know, the majority mm-hmm. of the way back. So with Charbel, I love when you ask him a question, say, what are your goals? He says, start, start, mm-hmm. make my stats better. All-star. Right? But then as he elaborates, he also says, Oh, you know, I want to play special teams. All right, I want to. So there's a guy with individual goals, but there's also that guy. I don't even think he meant to say it like that. That wants to do whatever he can to contribute to this team. That is a great guy to have in the locker room. And so right now with Charbel is losing all that weight, forty plus pounds, right? Can you remain good at the things you were already yeah. good at? But does that weight now make you better? And and, and are there advantages? Like he first of all. Cut it out with the oh I can drop back like we don't want to see our Canadian <laughs> defenders drop back okay Charbel yeah. don't just yeah. stop yeah. it right you're yeah. too small what is he yeah. Yeah. he may have lost all that weight but he's still yeah. five eight right yeah. like you know what I mean yeah. so so where are the advantages now and I like the fact that he knows hey if if I can prove to Coach Shivers that I understand the defense and I understand where I got to be and what we're trying to accomplish he might give me more mm. that's great mm. but bottom line is is that Charbel De Beer needs to show that his weight loss he's still as quick because he was quick yeah right when i talked when i talked to um to strength and conditioning coach um clint uh, yeah clint yeah uh, yesterday clint was like he was already quick at 340 yeah right so he's going to get even quicker now but again are you still going to be able to handle that physical yeah. load of a defensive tackle and that's and and you may didn't see it now but like day three, four, day four or five. Yeah. yeah. Let's see. Let's day see. five, six. Yeah. And okay, it's not hot. Right? It's not hot yeah, right now. That's right. right. When we come back, we'll head to Ottawa and we're going to hear from AJ Jackie Mc, voice of the Ottawa Red Blacks. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. It is time for the Pick 6. This segment of the show is brought to you by Nick Service in Emerald Park, your local Massey, Ferguson, Challenger, Rogator, Gleaner, and Fent dealer. Call 781-1077. It is so nice to be talking football again. Last time we had this guy on, we had a very important conversation that a lot of people liked, uh, actually. It was uh, A.J. Jakubik and I talking about uh, the Ukraine. He is a lot more... a lot more professionally well-versed in that aspect than me, but we were talking about the war in Ukraine. Today we're going to talk about the gridiron, AJ, as we head to Ottawa and talk to the voice of the Red Blacks, AJ Jackie. How are you today, my friend? I'm good. Looking forward to the start of the season. It's great to have camp and football back. Yeah, no, absolutely. It is absolutely great. So we do a thing called the Pick 6 where we break down six topics and so let us talk about the uh, six topics with the red blacks first off paul la police is he on the hot seat in ottawa uh, i wouldn't say he's on the hot seat but you know they have to produce right i i think he was brought in uh you know by a different general manager and marcel desjardins and things did not work just like things did not work in the last year with desjardins and rick campbell in 2019 um, La Police was brought in because uh, the, the biggest issue on this team was on the offensive side of the ball. And in 2021, um, 
offense was still not very good. So uh, three wins uh, in 14, certainly an indictment of pretty much everyone in the organization when you look at what happened in 2021. But there's uh, a lot of optimism, a lot of excitement uh, when you look at uh, what Sean Burke has brought to the table and when you look at the talent that's on the field. And, you know, it does, it's not just people in Ottawa. It's people outside of Ottawa think that this should be uh, a, a group that's talented enough to win games and make the playoffs. So there's no doubt there's going to be some pressure and this team has to be better. But I wouldn't say right off the bat that he'd be a guy on the hot seat. All right. So, A.J. Jakubik, uh, the obvious uh, next point on the pick six is Jeremiah Masoli comes to town. Is it Masoli the Messiah? Yeah, I don't think he has to be the Messiah. That That's the thing. I think he has to be a guy that just, leads this offense and is a confident starting quarterback in the Canadian Football League. He doesn't have to be an MOP candidate. If he is, I mean, obviously it's a bonus. Mm -hmm. But I think when you look at what they've brought in, help on the offensive line, uh, better skill players, uh, he just has to go out and do his thing. So from from that perspective, and I felt that way about Caleb Evans too, uh, the number two and the guy who started, you know, most of the games last year as a rookie. I felt if you gave Caleb Evans a better offensive line and some better skill players, he would have more success. So now you've got a veteran quarterback in here. And um, again, I don't think he has to be the savior or the Messiah or anything like that. Just has to come in and do his job. And if he does that, I, I think uh, they've got a good chance of being a playoff team. Ottawa has a nice one, two punch there. Uh, you know, Caleb came in and showed some things, Luke Molitor. So they've got a nice little one-two punch when you look at, you know, the landscape of the league. Calgary's got a good one-two punch. Uh, Montreal's got a pretty solid one-two punch. I wouldn't say spectacular. And I think Ottawa's in the same camp, Luke. Well, we know that in this league you need two starting quality quarterbacks to, to win a great cup championship. Um, is... Dane Evans, that guy, the Messiah, absolutely not. I think it's going to be on Paul Lapolis. You meant uh, Masol. You meant Masol. Sorry, yeah, yeah. Jeremiah Masol. Yeah. Um, is it's on Paul Lapolis to put him in a successful position? That I don't know about. I think mm-hmm. that AJ's right in that Paul Lapolis is not on a hot seat, but I do think the seat that he's sitting in is a 2022, and that car seat can heat up pretty quickly <laughs> yeah. um, in some cold weather. Yeah. So uh, that that he's got all the resources. There's really no yeah. excuse anymore. Yeah, right? so for sure. got to be successful. All right. Number three, our friend <clears throat> William Powell goes back to familiar territory as he's back with Ottawa in the backfield. A.J. Jakubik, what do you expect from William Powell? I expect he'll be part of uh, running back by committee. He's 34 years old. He still uh, is a guy that I think can produce at a high level in this in this league, but I don't think you want him getting the, the same type of usage that a William Standback gets, uh, the same type of usage that, that Powell had, you know, five, six years ago when he was playing with the Red Blacks. So I, I think uh, he's going to be, uh, number one, it's a, it's a fan favorite. Number two, it's a guy that can still – play at a, at a very high level but i think uh you know probably running back t- by committee and you know just limited touches compared to what we're used to seeing uh to, to try and get the most of him over the entire season luke he uh had he averaged 4.4 yards a carry but i don't think that was william P- uh, powell's problem number one i don't know that he was utilized as much as he should have been 
the O-line took a, a little bit of time to round into form. I thought as we got to the later half of the year, at the end, that West semifinal, we started to see the William Powell of earlier in his rider days and uh, towards the tail end in Ottawa. Yeah, the nice thing about Willie P is that he can still find that gap, right? Mm-hmm. Like he can still make the cutback. He still understands where the line is going to be at the after their two, three yards off line of scrimmage. Um, mm-hmm. The question, I think, in Ottawa's case is, is the breakaway speed, right? Can he find the gap? Yes. But does he have the breakaway speed to now translate that into a, into a big gain? And I think that that's what AJ's talking about is that, you know, you really need a, a more of a thunder and lightning look if you're going to mm-hmm. utilize Willie Powell, right? You need somebody that can, can have that breakaway speed because at 34 years old, AJ's right. It's, it's not going to be there. Yeah. Just, uh, father time is undefeated. He's how, never going to lose. How about next in our pick six, <clears throat> AJ Jakovic, voice of the Ottawa Red Blacks? We could talk about Masoli, the Messiah. We could talk about Willie P. We could talk about the receivers, which we will. But how about that offensive line? What does it look like headed into this season? Yeah, I'm, I'm the worst guy to ask about the offensive line, but I'll say this in, in watching camp for a couple of days and talking to uh, some people that, that uh, you know, know what they're talking about when they're watching reps and, and that Bucambray Williams is really impressed at that left tackle position. Now, he's got, he's got to stay healthy, but I, I think, you know, that's, that's an area. If, uh, if he can stay healthy and be that anchor there on the left side, you've got some other options, whether it's Randy Richards or Dino Boyd on the right. Darius, uh, sorry, Darius, I met him today, Sirocco coming in from Hamilton, anchoring things in the middle. And then you've got, uh, you know, some other Canadians that, that should be able to help there, including maybe Zach Kellyos uh, pushing for uh, a starting role here after being picked second overall from the Ottawa GGs. So um, we'll, we'll see. I mean, I think it's going to be a better group than what we saw a year ago. It, it has to be because if it isn't, this team's going nowhere. That was the, the biggest issue from last year's team. They did lose a couple of good players, Nolan Millen, Nolan McMillan to retirement, and Mark Cordy going to Edmonton. But I think as a whole, this group should be a lot better, and it's going to have to be uh, if they're going to make uh, a big jump. Number five on the pick six for the Ottawa Red Blacks announcer, A.J. Jakubik. Um, you know, I can make a case that the Rough Riders have the best receiving core in the CFL, but the Ottawa Red Blacks have really upgraded in that area. Darvin <laughs> Adams, they had R.J. Harris, they've got, and, and they added uh, the great Canadian receiver from Edmonton who was just released, Tavon Smith. <laughs> Talk about their receiving core that Jeremiah Masoli will be throwing the football to. Yeah, a lot of competition. I, I think uh, you, you can tell this is a better group than than what we saw a, a year ago and, and really the last couple of seasons. I mean, this was a team that was used to having three or four guys uh, push over a 1,000 with Greg Ellington and Brad Sinopoli, and it was Ernest Jackson and Chris Williams and then Deontay Spencer. So they had some guys, and all of a sudden it, it, there was a major drop-off. So... Uh, one guy that I really liked last year as a rookie was Ryan Davis. Now, he might factor in more as a returner this year, taking over the Devontae Dedman role. But just having those veteran guys there, uh, Darvin Adams, Jalen Acklin, I think is definitely going to be uh, a, a real important receiver that uh, obviously has uh, continuity and chemistry with the quarterback in Masoli. And, yeah, I could see them starting two Canadians. Shaq Johnson's looked really good in camp. Uh, you mentioned Tavon Smith coming over today as a free agent. You've got Nate Bahar, who had a breakthrough season last year. It took him a while. He talked about this, uh, a high pick at Edmonton, and he just never felt confidence until 
last season. And you've got Levi Noel as well. So wouldn't surprise me if they started two Canadians uh, at the receiver spot. And, um, you know, that means a lot of competition, uh, both within those four Canadians I mentioned and certainly amongst those uh, veteran American receivers as well. AJ, number six in the pick six. This is an interesting one. I loved his uh, insight into the uh, players' strike that we just had. Uh, Antoine Pruneau, uh, very smart guy, always been a great football player. Uh, but does he keep his job? That's number six on the pick six. Does he keep his job? He's got his mind, but uh, does he have the uh, athletic ability to keep his job in Ottawa? Yeah, no doubt he's going to stay here. I mean, are, are you asking starting job on the defense? That's maybe a, a bit of a different situation because you've got Justin Howell, you've got Ty Cranston. So you've got some other players that are younger that I, I think are probably uh, going to see more reps on defense this year. And so, yeah, we might not see Pruno as much uh, as say, a starting safety as we did in past years, but he's still a very important piece in that locker room and a very important piece in terms of what they do on special teams as well. So uh, there's no doubt Antoine Bruno is going to be here this year. It's just uh, it might be a bit of a reduced role on defense. Okay, lastly, we got about a minute. This is what we like to call the extra point. You were so good, we'll give you one more. Your thoughts on the <laughs> CBA, just overall what you saw. I love it. I think it's, uh, you know, seven years, so that that's fantastic. We can't be going through this every every two, three years. And for me, and I, I, I'm as patriotic as, as they come. I've gone to see Canada play hockey and basketball and soccer all over the world, and I want this to be a Canadian league for Canadians. But I, I also think that Americans have been shortchanged, and veteran Americans in particular have been shortchanged. Uh, I've been a fan of this league for 40 years and been covering it uh, closely for the last eight. And I, I just think there's too many guys that get the, the short straw. Now this levels the playing field a little bit for them. They add not only to our game, but they add to our communities, and they need to be treated better, and I think this CBA does that. Thanks for your time, AJ. Really appreciate it. Pleasure, guys. Take care. That's AJ Jackiebeck, voice of the Ottawa Red Blacks, joining us on the Western Pizza Hotline. Dinner time, game time, anytime, a great time to order Western Pizza. When we come back, we'll hear from our head coach, Craig Dickinson. This is the Sports Cage for Nelson Holmes on 620 CKRM. Michael Ball, but our, and not just Michael Ball, but our good buddy Luke Mulliner joining us here in the broadcast booth. My trusty sidekick. He's like my uh, tour guide for the entire season. This is my maiden voyage through the CFL. You know what's hilarious is I got this job now, and everybody's congratulating me. And I said to my I said to my girlfriend the other day, I said, you know, they they do know I've been doing the broadcast for yeah, twenty yeah. years. There's yeah, just a different. But, there's just a different level of it. I know. Yeah, I think that that's what it is, right? It's 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 <laughs> it's the more st- prestigious. Like now you're you know. You're talking to the truckers, the farmers, the yeah. every single game. It's it's really cool, you know, yeah. to know that uh, you've got that listener. Yeah, I I just think that people are genuinely happy for you. Yeah, you know? no, and I and yeah, I have, yeah. no, no, don't yeah. don't get me wrong. I appreciate the well wishes. No, I know that. I, know. I just like what is going on. Anyway, I've been this, doing this for twenty years. Yeah, like, yeah. You guys, I'm over here. <laughs> uh, the uh, training camp report here brought to you by Dagelman Industries, um, engineering tough, high performance equipment for. 
60 years. Thanks to Degelman Industries for joining us. All right, let's quickly uh, go to some audio we had from earlier today as we caught up with Coach Dickey to get his thoughts on day one, officially day one of training camp. Not here yet. Uh, we need Glenn. It doesn't feel the same. <laughs> He's talking about Glenn Suter or Glenn uh, Glenn Reed from CBC. Oh. You and I'll spend the whole season together. That's good. This is what we call raw audio in the business, folks. Try to keep you on your toes. Morgan, you good? Yeah. Go ahead, guys. Craig, this time last year we were talking about four guys getting Achilles tears. You know, looking back at that, seeing the combos out there moving around, so is Larry Dean. How do you think about those kind of developments to see those guys back so back this year? Yeah, it's it's good. It's good news, Murray, for sure. I mean, they've worked hard. Those guys that got hurt last year, they've worked hard. They've rehabbed. Um, you know, they've strengthened their bodies and. And they're really hungry to get out here and show they've got something. So to see Larry, to see Nelson flying around and really looking good, I thought they both looked good today. It was really a joy to see. But losing two of them, though, have two of them not back at Freddie Bishop. And, uh, yeah. Uh, Freddie, Freddie, you know, we just he was a little older, so we didn't bring him back. But we actually, Jonathan, we tried to bring him back, but he retired. So we're hopeful that Jonathan at some point changes his mind and wants to come back. He's got some family things he's taking care of, but... Really, of the four Achilles, three of them were, were, were coming back, and we felt like coming back full strength. Just that, did you learn anything from that experience? I know it's how we can look back on a day like that. But. Yeah, a little bit. You know, we certainly evaluated what we were doing, and I think we underestimated, Murray, the, the, the time off, what it had on the guys. You know, they were working out, but they weren't. And so I think uh, the one thing I've learned is until you, you get them, until you put your eyes on them yourself, you don't really know if they're in – good enough shape so I think I think I've learned to be a little more cautious at the start of training camp. Craig starter training camp a, a fist fight broke out out there what, what, what are your thoughts on happening? It's the same one just another year <laughs> <laughs> these guys want to play you know and uh, and everybody who's out there was probably the best athlete at their school probably the toughest kid in their class so you know it's it's a little bit of a pecking order thing we're trying to see who the who the alpha males are, and, and every one of them thinks they're that guy. So the one message I have to the team is we, we can put up with a few emotional outbursts on the field, but we don't want it to spill into the locker room. So we, we talk about respecting each other enough that it ends when it ends, which is on the field, and then when we go in the locker room, it's over with and we move on. What about Garrett Marino? He was a guy you had to tell to calm down last year at training camp. Because yeah, he he's a tough dude. Yeah. Yeah, he's a, he's a handful, and and some of these old linemen we brought in are tough guys too. So, it's part of training camp. I bet I bet you every single one of them is going to happen once or twice. We just don't want it to be an everyday occurrence. And the main thing we don't want it to spill into the locker room, which I'm confident it won't. And, and sorry, Blaze Brown. I don't think I saw him out here. Today. Yeah, he's still he's still recovering from an injury. He's been in the training room and and in the rehabilitation during practice. What kind of injury. He had a shoulder surgery last year, and it's not quite all the way back. E.J. Hendy's back, too. I know he left under difficult situations or terms. Yeah. Never say never in this year. Yeah, I just, uh, you know, the one thing is we had a need in the secondary, and we felt like A.J. showed enough during the season that he'd be worth worth bringing back. And, and it wasn't, he didn't leave on bad terms. Um, it was more of a, you know, he just felt like he needed a fresh start and he needed to get away for a while. 
So we're happy to have him back. You know, we're going to give him a chance to win a job and, and see if he can uh, see see if he can make an impression in this camp. Bruce is pure for not around. He's got an opportunity to be a defensive back. He can play Sammy. He's kind of that. He doesn't make sure kicks yet. Maybe not. Yeah, he's a, he's a versatile player. You know, he played a lot of different positions in college, and. Uh, and in the NFL. So we feel like he's a good football player and he has experience in our system, which is really important. What was it like to be back in the field with these guys after the labor issues of the last week? It was nice, yeah. I mean, this is what we want to do. We don't want to be in the meeting rooms all the time or in the boardrooms. This is what coaches love to do. This is what players love to do. So it felt good to be out there moving around and watching guys compete and, and work hard. A bit of a relief for you to, to be to this Yes and no. I mean, they still got to approve it, so we know there's there's stuff still ahead. But hopefully, they get that done, and we can we can put this behind us and start playing games. What do you Speaking of players being back? Uh, Charleston Hughes back from Toronto. How, what's his addition do for the D-line? He's a leader. He, you know, he's got a lot of street cred, and even though he hasn't played with some of these guys on the D-line, they all know who he is. So uh, Charleston has always been one of the hardest workers on the team. Um, and he re worked really hard this offseason to get in shape and to get his body where it needed to be. And he, I thought he looked good for the, his first day out. What are your expectations of him? Well, we expect him to win a job, Ballsy. Honestly, we expect him to either start or be, uh, you know, be a guy that is is going to give us thirty to forty plays a game. So, if he's not that guy, you know, we'll cross that bridge. But we expect him to to be a starting player for us on the D line. What do you want to see from a guy like Paul McRoberts, third season here, gets a chance to maybe start with Kyron Moore still dealing with that injury? Just growth. Just growth. We just want to see him uh, come into camp and be better than he was last year, grasp the playbook a little better, which he has, and just make plays. And, and he's always been a guy that will make plays for you. Um, we just always we've always struggled putting him in different spots. So we want him to show growth not only physically, which he looks good, but also in the playbook, which so far so good. Looking back at last year, what did you see from him in the playoffs? He was he was starting there. He's just competitive, you know. He's one of these guys. He's first of all super likable because he works so hard, and he comes he comes to comes to work every day with a smile on his face. Um, so he's got an opportunity, much like A.J. Handy, he's got an opportunity to, to make some plays and hopefully earn a starting spot in that receiver group. You have a legend out there named Roosevelt as a guest coach. Who are the other guest coaches? Uh, he's one of them. we got Brandon Taylor helping on special teams. Uh, Matt Berry, who's a University of Calgary coach, he's helping out on the D-line. Um, trying to think off the top of my head. Uh, Un University of Saskatchewan kid, Coach Long, is helping out with the quarterbacks. Um, we got a coach from Princeton who's helping out. Coach Mendenhall, he's helping out with the linebackers. And I'm sure, I'll, oh, Coach Marsh, Dante Marsh, who played a long time in the league, is helping with our DBs. So, uh, and Coach Ruler also is helping out uh, with the running backs. So, we feel like we got a good bunch of guest coaches. And the idea behind guest coaches, for me, anyways, is these are your these are your future coaches. If you have a guy leave, you've had a chance to watch him work and interact with the players. So these are these are coaches that we didn't just invite for the heck of it. We have um, we have an idea that if we lost somebody, these would be candidates for that job. If we lost somebody, Neiman looks like he can still play though. He was playing last year. Yeah, he's he's he hasn't been out of the game long, has he? So we'll see. Um, I I want him to coach. I know Neiman wants to be a coach um, in the future. I think that's where his focus is. What do you expect to see out of your Canadian wide receivers? Just uh, continued, similar to Paul, growth. I want to see him grow, not only uh, 
as, as wide receivers, but also on special teams. We're going to challenge them to contribute more on special teams and to just keep getting better. You know, we feel like we're going to put the best five or six receivers on the field. And if three of them are Canadian, then three of them are Canadian. So we're going to challenge them to push the Americans at those spots. And if they win the job, um, we'll play them. McKinnis looks like he's in better shape. He's in way better shape, <laughs> you know. Uh, and he had a lot going on last year, you know, not to, you know, pile on him too much. He had a lot going on with, with family, and he was he was raising raising a, a child on his own pretty much. So he's back. He's in better shape, and he's, he looks like he's focused. So he's, he's a good football player. We expect him to do well. That's Coach Craig Dickinson of your Saskatchewan Rough Riders meeting with us reporters after practice this morning. When we come back, we will uh, – Get a sports ticker for you, and uh, Luke and I will chop up a couple of things the coach mentioned there. This is the sports cage for Nelson Holmes, live from training camp in Saskatoon on 620 CKRM. And we are back with the Sports Cage Sports Ticker. It's 5.54, and I'm just trying to get my NHL score up here, but my computer is not... Working with me today. Well, it looks like the game hasn't started anyways, right? It starts at 6 p.m. The Rangers and Hurricanes game. So no score update there. Edmonton Oilers, Calgary Flames later on tonight. Uh, that is an 8.30 p.m. puck drop. I believe uh, Ballsy and Luke will be out somewhere in Saskatoon at a family restaurant watching uh, that one tonight, Ballsy. That's right. Uh, I'll be wearing the best player in the world's uniform, uh, Connor McDavid, and I don't know what you'll be wearing. Uniform. That's that, that's how you know Edmonton doesn't deserve hockey success. Their fans still call them uniform. Well, jersey. Well, jersey. Well, listen, he's going to be wearing a helmet, shin guards. Private school? Hey, I'll tell you what. If you're a guy that's over 30 and not going to a game, yeah. you shouldn't wear a jersey anywhere or a uniform. Like, if you're not going to the game. Why like, not? You don't wear a, a jersey to a restaurant. Depends what restaurant, though, Bobby. Well, if I'm going to a sports bar, I yeah. guess. If you're going to, like, a sports bar, you got a hey, Canadian so, brew house. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There's a good one. Well, maybe you can buy me supper there tonight. Or, yeah. or, is, there a, is there a Western Pizza here in Saskatoon? Probably. Because we should Wouldn't find a Western surprised. Pizza. They're our sponsors, man. Yeah. Uh, we love to eat food. I don't care how it's going, but it's got to get in my stomach really soon. <laughs> There's um, one on 3rd Avenue, boys. Okay, thanks there, uh, Zinger. I love it. Later. Hey, is Golden, does Golden State play tonight? Golden State plays Yeah, Golden plays State Dallas plays tonight. tonight. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. They, they smoked them bad. Yeah. Yeah, man. Uh, they so, gave it to him. So, uh, so let's go with Andrew our, Wiggins, the Canadian. Yeah. Locked up Luca. Yeah, so let's go with our uh, our spreads.ca picks tonight, guys. Who do you got, uh, Golden State or Dallas? Luke? I got Golden State. Yeah, me too. How about you, Zinger? Yeah, Golden State. Luca Doncic, yeah. that shoulder is yeah. just not right, man. So, yeah, well, right. And Golden State, by the way, to beat the spread, the spread's only six and a half. No. Yeah, so I got Golden State. Okay, to beat the spread. So how about uh, how about the NHL tonight? Carolina and the Islanders. I felt like Carolina. I felt like Carolina. I felt like Carolina stole one there, Zinger from the uh, Island from the uh, Rangers. Who do you got tonight, Carolina Rangers? What was the game? The uh, I guess uh, I'm going to go with Carolina. That wasn't the game the other night when uh, who scored with five seconds left. I think no, that was uh, that was Tampa last okay. night. Three point eight right. seconds. No, this one was a tip that the defenseman didn't block and he tipped it into his own net. So. Oh yeah, that's what. That's yeah, what Carolina's going to win. I don't think. I think this game or the series is going to be over in five. To be that's honest, that's what I got too. I got Carolina. Who do you got? I got Carolina. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And, and tonight. Edmonton. And tonight, Edmonton tonight. Yeah. Yeah. You think yeah. Edmonton tonight. Yeah. Well, someone's got to win, but like, man, what the hell is going I actually, on? I'm, I'm, I'm an Oilers fan, as you know. Bananas. I'm ticking. 
I, I said exactly how this series is going to go. Here's how's it going to go. It's going to go, Oilers lose tonight. They'll be down 2 nothing. Everybody will be talking about how the Oilers are dead. Let's fold them up. And then, uh, and then they're going to go back. They're going to smoke Calgary. Lose in overtime to Calgary. They're supposed to be dead in Game 5. They'll win Game 5 and 6 and lose Game 7. Calgary and 7. That's how it's going to go. That's how I feel. I, I, I really hope it doesn't work out like that because I'm not going to be able to stand you well, talking no. about you I'm predicting gonna, I'm, the whole thing yeah, all know. week. Zinger, Zinger. <laughs> I'm the best. Just <laughs> Zinger, who do you got? Tonight? No, the Flames are going to win, man. I'm sorry, Ballsy, but the Flames are going to win. Yeah, so, I, no, I got Edmonton today, man. Good. I like you. Yeah, I like you. I got Edmonton today. When we come back and, after And six... their best player, Leon Dreisaitl. <laughs> I like him. You know what? On one leg, he's better than Matthews. When we oh, come back, we are going to talk a little bit more about the receivers and some of the things Coach was talking about there in terms of Charleston Hughes. we got lots to get to here on the Sports Cage in the last half an hour. This is the Sports Cage for Nelson Holmes on 620 CKRM. Very cold kickoff to the long weekend and the Riders' first practice. Yeah, outside, very cold. Wasn't it, it, I? Didn't I? Didn't bring anything warmer than this, Luke no, Mulliner. I didn't bring anything. I, I brought a I lot got, of shorts. This. Yeah, I got shorts. And I got t-shirts. Yeah, I, I have summer weather. You know why I brought summer gear? Weather? Because it's summer. Yeah. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> God didn't get the memo. It, it's like we're getting close. It, it feels like we're getting ready for a West semifinal. Not well, could you camp. imagine just? Come into Canada for the first time ever oh, in your wow. life in yeah. like May and being yeah. from a place like Florida or Texas yeah. and just and then witnessing winter. <laughs> well, as I told you before, this is the hardest league to make. Yeah, it is for uh, for an American. It is. Well, you know what? Uh, it reminds me. Two thousand four. It was the same way though. Like I remember rookie camp being absolutely freezing, mm. and I was a little bit acclimated to it though because it was the same thing in Michigan, right? But mm. at the same time. Yeah, this is this is. We well, take the weather. You, you take want. you take the weather. You take the field. You take everything, and and the rules. And it's like holy cow, you are your head is spinning. Yeah. So you gotta these next two days, three days are critical. Hey, speaking of the field, what do you what do you make of the new hash marks here? Looking at it. Yeah, I. It reminds me that U Sport hasn't switched over. No. Right. You know, and 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 it's gonna be it's gonna be like that for a while. It's gonna. If I was Dan Clark spotting the ball, right, there'd be some times where I'm like, there's four of these hash marks here. Which one am I? You're right. So. It'll be easier for your favorite guys, the kickers. Yeah. Did you talk to Lather about it? Not that? yet, but it yeah. will be. It will be easier. You're kicking it right down Main Street. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be different for the boundary side defensive backs. It's going to be different for a Micah Tights in terms of athleticism oh, and covering the field over That's there. one of the things that I'm really looking forward to because Micah did well last mm-hmm. year. He played really, really well for the Riders. But does that hash mark, I mean, when, you, when you're up here with us, it looks like it's not much of a difference. It's a big difference. Yeah, in terms of getting to your proper drops and things mm-hmm. like that, it's it's night and day. And uh, it'll open up the playbook, different play calls now. Uh, you know, we don't have the Rob Bag rule where you just throw the guy out there. I call mm-hmm. it the Rob Bag rule. You just throw him out there, forget about him for 17 games. You I call I mean? it I call it the RMF rule. Yeah. When right. I coached RMF, yeah. we always, there's always positions you could hide. Certain Receiver and wide side DB. Yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, So now it kind of balances <laughs> off. It's going to be real interesting to see how the coaches uh, play with that for sure. Um, 
Let's talk about uh, some of the things he was mentioning here. Uh, Coach Dickinson a few minutes ago on the show, and if you missed any of this show, it'll be back in podcast form a little later on for Saskatchewan Seniors Mechanism. Our province's older people deserve to live independently and affordably in their own communities and homes. Learn more and join the movement at skseniorsmechanism.ca. Um, let's get back to Garrett Marino. Talk about opportunity knocking. There's a guy that uh, had a bit of injury problems last year, also took some... Foolish penalties at times. Yeah. You, you don't want to coach him out of that aggressiveness, but he needs to mature as a player and knows that he can't do it all the time. You're exactly right. It, it's cool for, for your first year because you're just trying to – your first year you're just trying to go and beat somebody up, mm-hmm. right? You're trying to make up for your lack of Canadian Football League IQ with – unadulterated physicality at the line of scrimmage when you're yeah. a defensive lineman, right? Now that's what they're going to be looking for out of Garrett Marino. Mm-hmm. And Coach Dickinson sort of alludes to it. Hey, we're okay with you being yourself out here, as long as it doesn't spill over to the locker room. Rarely do fights on the field ever spill over to the, into the locker room. Mm-hmm. I was around for nine years in the Canadian Football League as a player, and I've seen it maybe happen once, right? Um, but for Garrett... We've got to take you now in your second year mm-hmm. and all that you know and your unbridled sort of passionate, you know, passion for violence and and really rein it in because now not only are you a guy we're depending on you to make a step, like we got you, we you need to lead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Right? Like there's an opportunity here where we might not have to play a Canadian mm-hmm. at that defensive tackle spot, right, at that nose tackle spot. And if, if we don't have to play a Canadian, if say if Charbel DeBeer, knock on wood, isn't the guy and we can play two american defensive tackles we need you down in and down out yeah you got to be an every right? down guy yeah, and you got to every down guy and a consistent contributor okay uh let's head back to regina zinger you have a text on the capital ford lincoln text line yeah tc says wreck it ralph do you guys remember uh that bad boy dario romero wreck it ralph reminds me of him do you guys remember dario romero Wow, what's hilarious is I said that all last year, is that he reminds me so much of Dario Romero. Mm-hmm. And Dario Romero, there was good and bad, right? There was the guy that when he played for Edmonton, unstoppable. Montreal, unstoppable. When he t- came to Saskatchewan, though, he lost his cool too much, you know, exploding on the sidelines. Like That's that's the ceiling for Garrett Marino. He could be a he could be a Dario Romero guy, Romero guy because I remember watching Dario, and that's why I compared mm-hmm. him to him last year. Mm-hmm. They're literally the same guy. Yeah. But Dario needed to rein himself in, and Garrett's going to have to do the same thing. I promise when we have a special sports cage on Monday, I'll get the actual audio. I had a little bit of an issue uh, technically talking to uh, Nelson Lacombo, the Rough Rider draft pick from a couple of uh, drafts ago. Uh, BC kid, but uh, cut his teeth here with the U of S Huskies. Kind of ironic that his first training camp is going to be right here in Saskatoon. He says his Achilles is at about 90%. He got over the mental hurdles, and that's a big thing, yeah. mental and physical. And uh, I'll tell you what, he looked pretty good today, and I'm really watching him in camp. It's got to just be so draining on you mentally leading up to camp, especially as a DB, um, knowing that you're already, you know, like that's why we say tomorrow's going to be so much better because mm-hmm. half the team's going to be better just, just by getting used to the field. The offensive linemen, they're going to start getting their feet under them, and the DBs are going to get their their, their, their wherewithal, you know, on this big field, right? Mm-hmm. But to have an Achilles issue and to be thinking about the first time you actually drop step or plant your foot and have to burst the other way 
it was really good to see that out of him. Because right? yeah. injured players, you're right, they do have mental hurdles. So is it different? Is it different mentally for Nelson as it would be, uh, you know, as opposed to Larry Dean, a veteran, older guy, longer in the tooth? Yeah, I think that the veterans understand that that the process they follow to get back on the field is the process that that if they did it properly, there's not as much of a of a cloud there. Yeah, you don't think it, you're just glad to get out there, especially when you're a veteran, because you know your days are numbered regardless, mm. right? For 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 a guy like Lacombo who sees his whole career in front of him, and always you always hear you always hear the stories about the guys that were just that were always just too hurt. They were always hurt, and they never lived mm-hmm. up to where they want to be. You don't want to be that guy, mm-hmm. right? There's so we we could name tons of guys like that who were always hurt and just couldn't get you know to the next stage in their career because they were always hurt and there's another there's another guy here that has a chance to get to the next stage of his career he couldn't we were wondering all last year why ricardo lewis was on the roster why was he on the roster Mm -hmm. when when paul mcroberts was the guy in training camp and flashed a little bit but it was a it was a playbook thing even manny Mm -hmm. arsenault alluded to it when we had him on on our weekly hit on the pregame show um I'm interested to see what Paul McRoberts does, and he has a chance here now with Kyron Moore still not at 100% coming back from that knee injury. Whenever a coach references challenges with the playbook, and that that was it. Mm-hmm. Like there's a like if because if it was if it was something else, nobody no coaches mentioned playbook. It just mm-hmm. didn't happen. If a coach mentions you know hey he's got to get a control of the playbook, it means he really struggled with getting his plays down, and that's why Coach Dickinson took that angle when they talked about McRoberts today. Is that oh he's in a new position? We're gonna see what we can get out of him, and, mm-hmm. right? Like so, I think there's some legitimate concern around his ability to manage Jason Moss's playbook. Which by the way. You've talked about coaches being on the hot seat, mm-hmm. right? Like, does, is Jason Moss on the hot seat this year if, if the offense doesn't pan out, right? Like, mm-hmm. there's a ton of things that are going to yeah. go down in this 2022 season. And it's, o- really and it's only day one. Only day one. Man. So I'm going to let you go to day the Day two. I'm gonna, well, yeah, but it's day one. Yeah, day two. I, I'm going to let you go to the hotel and freshen up so we can go oh, watch. Oh, freshen uh, up, yeah. Uh, make watch, make watch me a, sound like that guy. Watch, huh? a, watch a couple <laughs> of real hockey teams. I'm going to go talk to a guy who knows hockey, Peter Lubardius, and me too, because you thought uh, Austin Matthews was the best player in the he, world. No, he is. That's okay. why. Get out of here. <laughs> uh, Luke Molitor will go to the hotel, and when I come back, I'll speak with Peter Lubardius from Calgary getting set for round two of the Battle of Alberta. This is the Sports Cage for Nelson Holmes on 620 CKRM. Nelson Holmes supplying home packages and RTMs for over 65 years. When we talk CFL football, a training camp report brought to you by Degelman Industries. Uh, but uh, um, their legendary signature series, Rock Pickers, what they're known for, Degelman Industries. All our guests come to you via the Western Pizza Hotline, dinner time, game time, anytime. A great time to order Western Pizza. And let's head out in the hotline to wrap up the show and speak with our friend Peter Lubardius in our Peter's Puck segment, color commentator on the Calgary Flames Radio Network. Lou, I don't know how to feel after that first game. It was exciting, it was awful. It was everything. Like, like, hey, we want goals. I love the 80s for like 8, 5, 7, 4, 12, 8, whatever. But I don't know, man. That was, that was not great to watch, but I couldn't take my eyes off it. Well, it was a bit of a car for sure. Um, that is not um, – that was not very good hockey, to put it, put it mildly. Um, there would be a lot of people, Michael, who found it entertaining. I just – that's 
for me, that's not what playoff hockey is all about. Um, you know, we spoke going in that we weren't going to see another 9-5 like the last meeting of the regular season. No, we didn't. We saw 9-6. to six. So, uh, you know, both teams came out of it not great about how things transpired. I certainly thought, you know, Calgary was the better group. But if you're Edmonton, to go in and score six and score six even strength against a pretty good Calgary team, your top guy gets four points and you don't win, that's concerning too. But I think we're in for a very different, I think, looking game two tonight. Well, it's going to be interesting, man, um, because I think Calgary has a better chance of in net rebounding, like I don't think we're going to see too many games where uh, Jacob Markstrom gives up six goals in a game. And I think as an Oiler supporter, and you know I am, I know your son is, hey, it's great to see your team. It, to me, it was Connor McDavid, Zach Hyman, and a bunch of people that won uh, a contest to skate with the Oilers for a night. There wasn't a lot else going on there, and they found a way to get to within a puncher's chance. But I'll tell you what, man, that's uh, they got exposed in a couple of areas. Uh, they were running around again like pre uh jay woodcroft and the goaltending they did make some great saves but they also let in some muffins too well um you know it was uh pick your favorite muffin night at both ends i have not seen jacob have a night like that for calgary and you're right i, I like your description um you know the oilers who game seven against L- in terms of how they check, Hunter uh, said, you know, the game was a bit of a no hitter. And it was. And it's sloppy. And yes, both teams, Calgary got into the trap a little bit of sometimes in sports, and I don't know if you had football games like this, I, I know the scores would indicate it that you played in. Sometimes can it come to you so easily that if it ever turns on you, it can be hard to kind of shut things down and get it back to the way you want it to go. Absolutely, Pete. Uh, I, I will tell you, though, um, I was disappointed. You know, Nurse is hurt. It's obvious. Apparently, he the, the story goes he needs uh, some sort of core surgery after the season. Uh, Leon's obviously playing at 50%. But you and I talked about this uh, before the series. It could come down to Backland and those kind of players and Ryan Nugent Hopkins. And for a guy that's been Mr. Edmonton Oiler for all these years, he has been mostly a no-show in the playoffs. He did have a, he did have a good game when they blew out LA 8-2. But he was... He and Pooley Arvey were invisible in that game, and that was really shocking to me. Well, I, I always, I always think that the guy that you know that goes by the handle of RNH is is a little underappreciated. Um, you remember when he was out of their lineup this year, things didn't go very well for about three weeks, and he came back. Um, but you're right in the sense that. You know, for me, the other night wasn't as much about which Oilers weren't very good because there were too many that weren't very good. And for Calgary, I say this all the time in this marketplace, when Michael Backlund is an excellent, competitive, two-way center icon, 
the Calgary Flames don't lose a lot of games. And I thought that the backland line with Coleman and Mangiapane in a lot of ways drove the bus in game number one. And that is something, you know, the Oilers, the Oilers' depth was not very evident in that game. Calgary, that's an area where Calgary was uh, much better. Uh, lastly, Lou, let's take goaltending out of it because we've belabored that. I'll give you a question for each side. The Flames' path to victory tonight is? More offensive zone time. And the best way to check Connor McDavid is he can't do a lot of damage when you have the pot, and he doesn't have it. And the Oilers' path to victory besides goaltending is? They just have to. They have to check. Uh, there were there were too many long in their zone. There was too much open room allowed in front of either Smith or Koskinen. The Oilers didn't check. The best checking team tonight. Open. Pete, thanks for your time, man. Really appreciate it. Enjoy round two of the Battle of Alberta. By the way, is it not ridiculous? Why are we playing this at eight forty-five at night when the puck? You know the to answer to that question. Yeah, <laughs> I do. What is the answer? What's the answer to that question? Well, part of it, it's in Western Canada, so who cares? What is your answer to it? it, it it's called two two letters, T V, and so it is that way because it gives an opportunity for the networks to show both games in their entirety. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I guess so, but I mean, I come on, man. They don't they don't care about us. No. You know, they, they, they by and large, depending on the matchup, they lean out east and go that way first. And remember, um, ESPN as a Big stake in this. Big. Yeah, that's a good point. Hey, Pete, enjoy the call tonight. We'll talk later. I will. Have a great weekend up there. That is Peter Lubardius, outstanding color commentator, former voice of the Regina Pats, former voice of the Edmonton Oilers. He's been everywhere. Nobody knows hockey like that guy. We're happy he's on our team. Well, that'll do it for this show. We will be back Monday, and we have something else in the works for the weekend. So uh, stay tuned. We will uh, push it out on social media. But, uh, yes, uh, we are your voice of Saskatchewan Rough Riders football, the undisputed kings of Saskatchewan Rough Rider coverage, and... CFL coverage right here on 620 CKRM. Thanks to my uh, sidekick, Luke Molitor, and my other sidekick back in Regina, Sean Kleisinger. This has been the Sports Cage for Nelson Holmes. You can check it out in podcast form for Saskatchewan Seniors Mechanism coming up as soon as my buddy Zinger puts it up. We will talk to you later in the weekend. The Sports Cage podcast is brought to you by Saskatchewan Seniors Mechanism, working to make affordable home supports for seniors a reality. SKSeniorsMechanism.ca